Why can't you hear me? Oh no. Oh, hang on. That helps. There's me thinking that I know what he's got tech issues. Oh, oh, oh. Can you speak? You can hear me, yeah? There we go. I love it. We made it. What a terrific start for viewers and listeners. Just me being like, here's a cable. Like, I love the chaos that you actually got. I just realised how much you can see in a video. Well, what I was about to, I was just well, about to say, if you could please describe your environment, that'd be absolutely terrific. <laughs> <laughs> I you explain in... why, Gabby, you look like you're playing in a kid's playroom. Well... Good question. I'm packing up a house and entertaining a tiny terrorist and running a couple of businesses. This is what running a business looks like in reality when there's no fake green backdrops. This is it. I mean, you don't want to see my desk right now. I've got more paperwork on it where I'm trying to shred everything. Do you ever do that with like the business where you're just like, what do I keep and what do I shred? And you have this fear that if you shred like one piece that you're going to need, like the tax man's going to come and hunt you down and you're going to go, oh, I don't have an answer for that. I, uh, We're in that until dance. Until she retired a few months ago, my mum uh, was in international tax, right? And I once right. shared, and I shared an office with her when we first started out in the, in the business. And I walked into her office, I went up the stairs, and I opened the doors, and it was massive this place. And then when I got, I said, "Let's show us around." And when she showed me around, she said, "Open one room." Um, it was enormous, and I went, "Oh my god!" The whole thing was filled with boxes of paper. paper and I was like this looks like an archive from sort of the 1950s police doctor. and she was like it bloody well is it's and I'm just going, I've got to keep everything to sit in before I'm allowed to legally throw it away I went, why yep. don't you put it on like a disc or like on an actual put it into a computer yeah she's like but it's the effort of doing it though it's the effort of doing it like like what I've been in the recruitment side of our company for like a year and a half now just over a year and a half and in our shed it's probably not the safest place to keep it but right now because we moved out of our office because of covid right we were like it was all secure and there's no secure building with a locked cabinet and then it was like well we're moving out of the office because there's no point paying rent on an office that you can't use i mean that's just a gross waste of money by anyone's stretch of imagination so we put it all in the shed in this spot like in this cabinet with a lock and all this stuff in the shed and i looked at mitch and went not sure that'd be classified as safe archiving but it's fine it's fine and now it's going to go and live in a storage unit somewhere when we move house but it is amazing that just how much you keep and you're like i could scan it like there was so much modern day technology you could use to get paperwork onto like a floppy disk but the time it takes versus just throwing it in a cupboard and locking the door yeah, it doesn't really justify it in my world. Unless you fancy coming to do it for me, Simon. Like, I'm all in for you coming to do my archiving. I'm all right with your floppy disk. You have just said floppy disk, though, Floppy disk. Do you know what? I am old enough, well, young enough, old enough to still remember the days of floppy disks. I, I still remember them. I remember the transition from floppy disk to USB. I'm only 33 and I remember this. And then it was like, what, floppy disk, USB. Oh, no, it was floppy disk to CD then CD to USB. Oh, the good old days of trying to rewrite and write on CDs. And you just hear it whirring round as the computer's going, help me, I can't cope. <laughs> well, listen, we've, um, we've got a loosely, and by complete coincidence, because this is in no way contrived, which it isn't, kind of touched on what we were looking to potentially speak about today, because your, your floppy disk, I'm going to raise you with okay. some sort of um, Rolodex, just after that maybe simultaneously i had a box of cards on my desk yep. right, when i recruited um and then you'd call your client and then at the end of it you would you'd get back in your box and you, you, you'd cross that the, the last time you called them out and replace it with the notes of this one wow um, and then you you put the card box back back on your holiday uh, and sorry you, you, your card in your box and what you then and i've just kind of you know the holiday was deliberate and um, you couldn't go on holiday without taking that box off your desk because if you came back from holiday, that box would either have been disintegrated, someone had copied all the notes, or they'd scribbled, you know, and drawn shit all over them. Um, yeah, I know those days from banking. I know those days where you had like a business card from someone and then someone writes something 
offensive or colourful, I think. I mean, it was really funny. I found it funny. Not everyone in the team thought I was hilarious. But do you know what? It's really weird because I used to like that. Like we used to, as much as it wasn't that long ago, I was in banking. I had a Rolodex. Like I actually had a Rolodex because people still handed out pieces of paper, right? People still handed out business cards. And what they do is look at them going, oh, thanks. And then be like, oh, it's just like a piece of paper where I stored it. And what I loved most about it is when I left my job, there was none of this, you can't take stuff off your computer. You're like, don't worry, my darling, I have my Rolodex. And I walked out the front door and no one stopped me because technically I'm not stealing client data because it's a business card. But we've gone away from that era where everyone's like, oh, here's my email address and here's this. And then it's stuck on a computer. So when you leave, and I'm sure like in recruitment, right? So many people are starting up companies left, right and center, right? It's like daisies, they're everywhere. They sat there and went, hmm, how do I get my contacts out of my email, like address book, or even out of my emails or at the CRM and go, they can come with me. And especially if it's leads you've generated yourself, how do you walk them out the front door? You can't anymore unless you have old school Rolodex. I think every desk should have one. I'm just saying. I think there's some good old fashioned things that should never go away. No, I, I agree. All right, what else should be kept then? What else have I kept? I actually still have a floppy disk reader. I don't know why I have that, actually. I have no idea why. You I know have you're that. moving house. You know, when you move house, it's quite a good opportunity to streamline and thin shit that you don't need anymore, isn't it? Yeah, but there's also stuff that you're just like, I can't let go of. Mm, is that less of a scale? But a floppy disk reader? It's just, it was just funny because it's like when Phoebe's older, she's going to look at me and go, what the hell's this? And I was like, oh, just something to hit someone over the head with, really. Like, it's of no use to anyone at all anymore. But what else did we have? I have a CD rewriter still. So what's I don't know. The, what's the best tech thing that you use now? Let, let's kind of try and bring it into Apart the from my own technology. Whatever, yeah, <laughs> that was obvious. We may or may not come on to you. I'm talking about what's the best thing, right? So in, in our group, for example, you're quite often the person that says, can, can anybody recommend that? Or I've been yeah. using that, you know. So you're obviously up with the tech stuff. What's the best thing at the moment that you're using? You think, oh, that's, that's wicked. I wish I had that back in the day or that, that really works for you. It's oh, a genius question. Do you know what? I'll be honest. This turn off button on my phone. <laughs> I'm not actually joking. At the minute, that's my favorite piece of technology, the ability to turn shit off. I honestly like there is so much tech out there. I actually think we've hit an intersection with technology where people are just vomiting new tech. And I think people are like, oh, here's a solution. And everyone's trying to grab things off the shelf. It's like going to Poundland. Do you remember when Poundland first opened? And everyone's like, oh, it's a pound. I must buy it all. And you walk out with 200 quids worth of shit that you don't really know Abby, why I you live, bought it. I live in Seven Oaks in Kent. There are... Lies. Lies. There's what, about eight of them? <laughs> all next door. Come on, we've all had COVID, right? We've all had COVID. There'll be Poundlands everywhere. And don't panic. You can always come to Essex. We have a solid collection. Um, and a B&M. Oh, God, love it. I've got no judgment. I go in it. But I think technology has almost become like Poundland. Like where you're buying stuff that you don't really know why you've bought it. So actually, when I joined the recruitment business and I sat there and went, what tech do we really, 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 really need? And what tech have we adopted because some are, someone else said, oh, that looks good. And you had no idea how to go through a purchase process where you understood what your need was, how that technology really bridged that gap, and therefore it actually delivered what you thought it was going to deliver. So I did a massive cleanse. Like We've only got emails and LinkedIn and Vidyard. I'm still on Vidyard. I love a bit of Vidyard. I know it's a bit backwards in terms of not the latest tech. But it does what it says on the tin, right? And a bit of Canva. So we've got four things plus our tech. That is all our business has for both companies. That's it. Simple. So, okay. So do you, um, so, so there's two parts to this question. Why do we go and buy all that stuff, firstly? And is it, and, and how are you, are you feeling any sense of FOMO? Because what you've just described there is having that is yep. that's great is like as skinny as you can get, isn't it? And yep. yet you still get your floppy disk reader. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but it is though, isn't it? Now, most recruitment businesses, or most businesses in, in recruitment, um, supplier tech or otherwise, will have a lot more components to their, let's yep. call it a tech stack, right? 
they I think there is this FOMO concept because like if you like you do like we do in the members only group right when we when someone's about to go and buy something we go and talk to each other we're like what did you use what do you recommend and then we start going through that process where we're comparing what other people have we also go through this process of most recruiters have come from a recruitment agency or done in-house recruitment so they're sitting in a really luxurious position where this company is just doing this with cash it's like being in a strip club right for technology they buy anything off the shelf they don't care what the price point is they'll buy it put it in and then you get so in bed with it you can't get out of it because it's too expensive to get out of bed with it but the problem is when those individuals leave those agencies to start their own businesses what they tend to do is move towards what's familiar right they're already making a massive step going out on their own it's very unfamiliar they don't really know what they're doing they're kind of like feeling around a bit and I mean to be fair any business owner 10-15 years down the line that says he knows what he's doing we still don't know what we're doing you just kind of feel it out as the market moves and ebbs and flows and you shift it but when it comes to technology you go to something familiar which means you end up buying something and you're not you don't really understand fully like I said a minute ago how to assess what is a piece of technology you truly need versus someone else is using it because it feels their need it doesn't mean you're the same like our businesses for example like when you're in recruitment and with our recruitment now the odds are you and I wouldn't have needed the same technology stack because we run businesses differently we're looking after different industries so why would I necessarily want the same tech stack as you and I think people forget that like what do I really need like really 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 need to do my day-to-day -day job and they don't ask themselves that question. And then they have FOMO and you raised a really good point. FOMO, we've laughed about it before. Luckily, I don't suffer from it. I really don't care what other people are doing. I'm always gonna go, what's my business doing? What are the team doing? What do they need to be better? And if someone mentions something that fits that brief, wicked, I'll be all over it like a rash, but I'm not gonna go and do it because someone else is doing it. Like I wouldn't jump off a cliff because someone else did it, right? But it's like, that's an extreme example, but it's the same for technology. Stop and think and go, what do I need it to do? And then when you're listening to the salesperson tell you it does everything you think it does, take a deep breath and have really, really detailed, complex questions that are very specific to your business. And that's where you catch them out and you find out whether the tech stack really does what they're promising it does. Because nine times out of 10, sadly, from my experience, it doesn't cut the mustard. But it is that process that people miss. How much time do you think is wasted in all this, right? And, and what's the what's the um, the hardest to find commodity right now? The commodity the shortest supply of all the people I talk to is time. Mm -hmm. Okay, and time management is, is is crucial. And maybe there's a maybe there's a thing we should do on it, right? Maybe there's a webinar we, we should do. We do on that. I'm not the best, I'm the best time manager. But I think I've nailed it as much as I can. But what I also did though was I streamlined and cut out a lot of a lot of stuff yeah so, you know this isn't necessarily a conversation around tech um but you know it's led us to where we are right now um you can spend a lot of time can't you as well like implementing stuff um, you implement you like the... once you learn about it make false sometimes it feels a bit contrived don't you think yeah like, it is pick up a bit of product go I've bought it now haven't I? Might, might as well use it right might as well but then the problem is when you collect tech or do anything when you do anything in life and you haven't really thought about why you're taking that action right it's that next question of like why am I doing this when it comes to technology people go oh it's shiny it looks okay let's throw it into the mix what they forget is once they've integrated that piece of technology on top of everything else the team are doing you have to train your team you have to have technology people to integrate it fully you're then trying to match it all up with your other existing tech stacks to make it flow and nine times out of ten people don't do that they just throw stuff on top they're like here's another this another that blah, blah, blah. and the team is sitting there going holy shit i'm gonna spend 20 hours of my life trying to go from salesforce to a crm to hubspot to wherever else the hell you want to hang out and when you look at the amount of time wasted by your employees doing that, how much time have they actually got left to hunt? Like you're literally, like I used to work in a sales role. I did a really short since doing software sales and we had Salesforce. And I have, I have no qualm with Salesforce as a company. Like they are exceptional. Like this is no way against them, but it's just the tech we use. But when I updated that, there was very, like there was like, I had to update the same piece of information in six different locations. And if I didn't update the six different locations, then it didn't feed to my manager. And then my manager would tell me at the end of the week, I'd miss something. And I'm sitting there going, do you know what? I'm meant to be doing business like sales calls. 
I'm meant to be doing my job and I can't do my job because you're tying me up in admin. It's not paperwork anymore. It's typing of all these systems that you're not connecting. You're not making my life easier. And I think that's where people lose so much time in their lives. And I'll put it out there with social media as well. Like we were chatting about it the other day. You put things on LinkedIn to try and generate business. And then actually you end up spending an hour responding to people and it leads to no business. It's like, hang on, don't just follow the herd because everyone else is doing it. You don't know if it's working for them. It probably isn't working, but like assess where your time and resource is being allocated and where you can get the most from it. And it's a really simple thing to do, but you get so caught up in just, oh, everyone else is doing it. I must keep up or I must keep running because that's what I've been told I need to do. And I think, uh, I think recruitment's awful for that. Um, it really is. And, and, and as you said earlier, you know, uh, the amount of tech stuff, particularly, these are just tech, it's solutions, let's just call it yeah. solutions to our sector. Like, it's unbelievable. I mean, Grant will tell you more than I can, just the number of people that, it doesn't have to go very, very rudimentary search brings up almost every week something new in our sector. Yep, um, from his point of view, trying to find the best partners for our network, happy days, right? Great. Yep. But equally, he's got 260 prospects on a prospect. Yes. 260, right? That's like, how. And we've already got best part of 100-ish. That's Floating in there on the network. That's obscene, isn't it? And that's that always, is... Isn't it? But then, but then this comes back to the point earlier, though. Like, it's great you guys to have such a pool of potential technology stacks is absolutely incredible. Like you can't knock it, right? People are coming to market. I mean, I, I can't comment, right? I've done exactly the same thing. I saw a gap, see a need, fill a need, right? I don't know if you've seen the Disney film, but it's completely true, right? We, I'm, yeah, I have a two and a half year old. I can completely blame her, but the sad thing is I'd watched the film before I had her. But let's not even go there on that confession. Mm -hmm. um, but we've done it right we saw a gap we, we were like we can fill this no one else is doing it let's go play and smash it out but the problem still remains like if you let's say you sign up those 260 you've got 100 already you sign up the 260 you've got 360 potential suppliers for your audience now what does your audience do with it like what does your audience do like how do you assess is there a tool not at all god jesus let's not build another piece of tech but is there a mechanism that we could do? Like, we should actually do a webinar on it. Like, how do you, like, what questions should you be asking yourself before you enter a discussion with a tech supplier or any supplier? What questions should you be asking them? How do you dig deeper? Like, how do you really investigate the right thing versus the wrong thing? Like, I do a 14-day free trial for everyone, right? But it's still like, there's people who sign up to it. And I'm like, do you really know what you're signing up to? And I ask them because I have a bit of a moral compass on this shit. Like I don't like selling stuff if I don't really feel that they understand why it's going to bring value. And I'm all fair game. If someone says, do you know what I really don't understand or I don't think it's for me, I would rather have that. But most tech companies won't. They'll go, yeah, please sign up. You can get out of bed with us in six months time. And by that point, you're knee deep with a big paycheck that you've got to fork out, but you're still none the wiser because you haven't done that, what do you call it? Is it a procurement process? That's what they call it in banking, right? It's like takes months to do it in banking. Cause <laughs> I mean, we like, we used to love having meetings for the sake of having meetings, but you know. We say a bit of due diligence is what you're talking about. Due right? diligence, so, thank so, you. So you're, um, you know, look, we're fortunate our networks have bits, right? So yep. bits is that person who, if you were to build any kind of text that, or I'm gonna say text that, that makes it sound like a multi-layer word for the stuff. It's yep. not. It's like you've already got one thing. Let's call it the central hub, generally speaking, the CRM. Yep. What else do you need around it, right? We're going to speak to someone like Vince who will tell you what is it you're trying to achieve. What is exactly. You okay, based on what you said there, you need to go, this is what you need. Now you go and find the best solution for that. Best solution for that. But people can see the problem. This is what gets me is people see the gap, but they still don't know the questions to ask to assess whether the company and the product sitting in front of them is good or bad. Like we had it when we were looking at our CRM and luckily with the field of recruitment we're in, Mitch is so techy. Like it's actually a little bit sickening how knowledgeable he is on the field. And I actually, like I'd had, I'd had to do an initial conversation with the companies and I'd be like, right, I'm gonna bring Mitch in. And I said, brace yourself. He's not like, he's the nicest guy in the world but when it comes to technology and people lying to him, he's like, like a bulldog. Like he's like, rrr, rrr, and I'm like, whoa, hello. And he literally walked into each of these companies that I'd lined up for us to speak to. And he was like, 
asking them really technical questions and he's like he'd ask them one and then slightly spin it and he'd be like you just lied to me in two seconds now go and find out the answer and come back to me like, I'd rather you say you don't know but if you don't have the technical knowledge to really dig deep on the tech then you don't really know whether they're selling hot air or not right it's the questions you ask and the way you ask them and the way you can understand it is probably one of the biggest limiting factors for companies right now to implement the right technology for them. Yeah, no, I, um, I totally agree. Let, let, let's go on to um, on, on to your your product because there's one thing that we're we're short of as a, as an industry, right? It's Canada. Yep. It was mental, wasn't it? I did a survey in December, right? So a member survey. Yeah. And one of the questions was, if there's one thing that we can do to help user network in 2021, what would it be? top by a mile like every single person put as top of their uh, top of their list new business wow. help us get new business right now i think everybody everybody needs new business all the time right and um, but there's a difference of how that new business might look yep. but i wonder whether or not they'd say that now i wonder whether or not that might be the answer whether or not actually might have that might be second to help me find candidates yeah um, and we're six months on and who, who would have thought that in december where the but amazing now it's my personal thought that comes september end of september furlough ends and we've had summer holidays whatever that yeah, might yeah. look and however that is that things will push a little bit um which i don't think necessarily is a bad thing i think there are lots of things being that it's a bit bloody haywire at the moment yeah there. it is it's a bit relentless arguably people could be making mistakes right now um so i don't think it's a bad thing um but finding candidates is bloody hard so yeah. What, what are you seeing out there in the market? How, how are people finding this talent? Do you know what's really interesting is I think as much as like the last year and a bit has been a bit rubbish, right, being in lockdown, I'm going to call it a bit rubbish. People's had their highs and lows like each to their own journey, right? But what's been really interesting is for the first time ever, you've had a candidate pool where they're literally, you can talk to them at any time of the day. Yet people are saying, I can't find a candidate. I'm like, they're literally sitting right in front of their computer. They're on LinkedIn. Like they're on social media platforms more than they've ever been on them because their boss isn't sitting next to them anymore. And if you're still telling me you can't find a candidate and you can't get them to respond to you, there's something wrong with the hunt. There is something wrong fundamentally of how you're hunting. Like we had more responses to in-mails than ever. And then as lockdown started to release and people start going back to normality, that's when we saw the spin. And it's not that there aren't great candidates out there, but they're busy having their lives back until Boris takes it away again, right? We all suspect there's another takeaway coming at the end of the year. Candidates are gone missing. Because they're like, they're going back to the office. They can't be on, they can't respond to you every single second of the day. They can't have interviews every second of the day. They can't sit there on LinkedIn going, oh, my manager's sitting right next to me. Oh, by the way, I'm talking to a recruiter. Like, it just doesn't happen, right? But it's also the fact that, like we said, there's so many recruitment agencies popping up. That means if you think about the number of ca candidates to agencies, literally, they're just really like, oh, sod off. And the messages that I've seen, some of the messages, I even got headhunted for some stuff, which I thought was hilarious. And it was in my old banking days. I'm like, I'm not going back, but thanks. And the messages are generic. They're boring. They're dull. And you're sitting there going, you, you don't even sound like someone I want to talk to. Right. And if I've had 10 of you message me the same boring message, why would I pick up? Yeah. And I think this, this, I mean, that particular thing comes down to, I, I in mails for me, just don't work. That's just, God knows why. I don't know why. Are doing. you just too grumpy on your emails? <laughs> Are you being too serious, Simon? Don't be serious. Like, this is the thing. Nobody wants a serious in mail. No, Nobody. No, 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 no. Look, you can imagine, I'm not. You're not a serious person. Serious. I'm not that kind of person. But it does come down to, I mean, we're going a little bit off track, but I might as well make a point. Love that. it. I think that, um, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a bugbear that I've always had, like always had. Go on. Uh, um, recruiters tend to follow what they've been trained. And I do mean that word trained. They do. As opposed to coach, because I think it's an entirely different thing. To it, It's just what they do, isn't it? And so we're all these, these companies that have set up in the last 12 months, and now let me tell you, there are hundreds of them. There they are. Um, and they're now solopreneurs, independent recruiters, whatever phrase you want to use. And what are they going to do? They're going to do what they, they did before. Always been done. 
what's already been done and that's why you get the same but there's where's the creativity i think this is the thing like when people spin off and do their own businesses they've got to remember you've just become an entrepreneur you you literally in a split second you become an entrepreneur you haven't become a minion that does as they're told right i used to be one of them in banking i didn't dress in yellow outfits and wear funny glasses i guess i've got glasses but i was a minion like if someone said you had to do this I had to do it this way, this way, this way, this way. Agnostic of what I thought, which didn't go down very well, particularly. Knowing me, that was not a solid eight years of my life. But when you open and start your own business, it is your chance to go stop being a minion and start stepping into your creativity. And like, if you're at the other end, like, ask yourself this question. If you're at the end of that email, right? If you were the recipient of that email, would you respond to it? And if the answer is no, don't do it. But don't keep copying shit that doesn't work. There is this copy and paste mentality. It's like, oh, I'm not getting response to my email. So how many more did you send? 10. What? Like, if you're not getting responses, like try, try an email strategy for 10, 15 people. If you don't get the responses for that particular role, jazz it up. Try something new. Do not Google the best in-mail things because that drives me schizophrenic. The best in-mail messages. It's like be you, be specific to your industry, know your voice, know your tone, like, get out there. Don't copy and paste what other people have done. So how would that work? Uh, yeah, 100% get it, right? But maybe let's, not everybody's creative with you. Okay? Yeah. I like to think I'm reasonably creative. You love emojis. You're an emoji king. I love your emails. They make me smile. I do love an emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would, but I just kind of do. And you do. Like, They're everywhere. It's like, do, 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 emoji. Do, 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 emoji. But it makes me smile. Like, it just brings the message to life. But that works between you and I, because I think it's wicked. So yeah. if I'm your target audience, tick. Well, that, that, um, maybe that's not getting a response to some stuff. Maybe you do. <laughs> maybe I'm just too unique. <laughs> yeah, don't don't base it on me, Simon. Run. <laughs> but uh, not everybody... <laughs> By the way, uh, this, <laughs> I don't consider myself creative because I use emojis, right? That is where I was... <laughs> you are, you are. That's what I was going with that. Um, but not, not all recruiters are. They're inherently... And, I, I, and again, I'm not stereotyping anybody here, but inherently, the recruiters I've worked with in the past... Um, as in directly in a recruitment organisation, not with the people I now work with. But yep. uh, I think we have quite a unique um, network of people who are actually quite creative recruiting. But generally speaking, the DNA of a recruiter, i.e. aka a salesperson, isn't also creative. Now, the, the word creative obviously can manifest itself in many, many different ways, but it might not be their natural propensity, for example, to do a video, to yep. do absolutely that, that gets in front of people. Um, so, and, and you, you're not a marketer either, but you know, what, what, what's, what's working? How, how do we get in front of the candidates uh, in the context of this conversation that you're going to stand us out from the average Joe sending? Honestly, at the minute, like, do you know, just, just to touch on the point about video and stuff, like it bores me something chronic, like absolutely chronic. And I'm sorry to all the marketers out there in the world, but you when they come in, do you know if you hire a marketing company and they're like, you need to do a video, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's like, actually, you need to do what rocks for you. Like, if you don't want to be on a video, like, I'm happy doing a video. I love it. Mitch, on the other hand, is like, no, 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 no. One-to-one video, fine. Mass, mass videos, he's like, hell no. But find the rhythm that works for you. And again, when it comes to creativity, like that word sounds so vast and it sounds like you should be doing like the Mona Lisa, like painting and being like, Da-da, look what I did earlier, right? Blue Peter, eat your heart out. But it doesn't have to be. It's about knowing your style and the way you talk as a person. Like the way you talk is probably how you write. The way I talk is how I write things down. And then for me, a lot of it is about humour. Like I've done some cheeky little images that I actually built on Canva. Yay. Love a bit of Canva apart from it's missing a folding system, a folder system. That drives me skits. They go Canva, get it fixed. I might be a happy lady. But I did like this funny Marmite jar with do you love it or hate it and put Boolean across the front of it. And then I messaged a few people going, come on, tell me what you think. And it just triggered them to be like, oh, Gabs, I love it. Or, oh, I hate it. And the people who hated it, I was like, oh, why do you hate it? I'm like, come on, let's build a product around shit you don't like. Um, 
but you have to kind of sometimes it's just the little one-liners like you've got to remember like if I walked up to you straight away in a room and I always come back to this point if COVID didn't exist anymore at all and we had these massive networking parties that we used to right the good old days of networking if I walked up to you in a room I went hi my name's Gabby I sell this 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 and this and I really think you'd be amazing at this job but I actually don't know who you are because I just walked up to you what are the odds of you turning around going, I really want to talk to you? you? Probably roll your eyes and look around the room and go, how can I go? Oh, my drink's empty. Like, shit, I've got to run. Like, if, if you wouldn't do it to someone in person, don't do it on an email. Like, just be gentle, be genuine. Be like, look, this is what I do for a living. I've checked out your profile. But don't just say, checked it out. Actually reference stuff in it that makes it interesting. Like, Mitch, I throw jokes into mine. I throw jokes and I found this new image that I think is hilarious of this caveman pushing a wheelbarrow with like square wheels. And then there's another person behind with a circular wheel going, I could help you. And they're like, no, 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 I'm fine as I am. Brilliant. And I started sending that to people. That is policy. That is policy. It's literally genius. Cause I was like, I'm going to give you, a I'm giving you a solution that's going to help you. Don't just say you're busy. I can help. But it's those kind of little things. You don't have to write an essay. Sometimes it's this cheeky little one liner with an image that someone goes, that's funny. Like, it is funny. I want to go and engage. So keep it simple. Make sure that first message is super simple, just really fun, really representative of what you're trying to do, but not a sales message because it's just boring. We're hammered by them all the time. Don't do it. Simple. It's, it's difficult at the moment, isn't it, right? For everybody looks for a point of difference, but I find in your recruitment, right, this over the years, that point of difference very quickly captures up with itself, yeah. if that makes sense, right? So let, let's use video as, as an example. You might not have done video, you've seen other people do video, yeah. right? So, but at the point where you first noticed it, it was probably fewer people than, than were. Yeah. So you go, right, I'm going to do a video. Okay, so then you do a video, so you do the video, then more people than not do videos. So then straight away, that point of difference has disappeared. Like, it was yeah. no difference anymore. So they go, right, well, fuck, what's the next thing? So, and then, and, and I, it, before COVID, um, I was sending part of our branding, and I was done offline, everything yep. was offline, not just the events. If we invited someone to something, it was something through the post. Physical, yeah. It was a physical thing. And how mental was it that that, that was a USB? But of course it was. It, it is. is. It still is. If, if you sent, like someone sent us like some cookies, when Phoebe was born, there was a, an outsourcing firm we were using for some of the recruitment bits and pieces. And they sent us some cookies, like little baby ones being like, happy birthday, Phoebe, welcome to the world. But it's sometimes like these kind of things, like where you're, like you said, like where your USP is today will be gone tomorrow because a thousand people will adopt it. And it's so easy to adopt and move. But sometimes you've got to remember, it's not just the video. It's not like everyone writes messages to each other, right? Like you and I voice note, which we were laughing about yesterday. You don't really voice note to anyone else. I'm just too lazy to type, to be honest. It's nothing more complicated. I'm just, I can send them a quick 30 second or I can spend two minutes trying to write this in a grammatically oh, correct way. Your voice notes have never 30 seconds. So. No, they're absolutely not. I don't have the ability to do 30 seconds. Two minutes, 49 seconds, the last one. Two minutes. 49. I was really having fun talking to you on my own. <laughs> But the thing is that you could do voice notes to candidates right now on InMail, right? LinkedIn, you can do voice notes, like going back and doing the basics of like commenting on stuff they've been commenting on and engaging them on social media. It's a pain in the ass. It's really slow wind on a, on a win, but it works. And especially with LinkedIn being so uptight, Jesus Christ, they're like the worst networking platform in the entire world. It's like, I'm a networking platform, but you can't network with people. Uh, uh, like, who thought that's a good business model apart from the people making absolute fortunes out of all of us mugs, but we'll deal with that one later. But I think it's always been the case, right? Every company in the world, if we look all the way back at hundreds of years ago when recruitment began, right? Back in the dawn of time, someone was competitive in a certain area and then people caught up and was like, oh, that's, that's what makes you unique. Oh, let's now catch up and let's do that. And I think it's become that pace of catching up with each other is quicker now because we can all see what each other are up to and what we're all doing. And especially actually talking to each other on networking groups like members only, right? We talk to each other. We know what tech each other are using. So we're like, oh, you're using that. I'll use that. Like, let's go, right? Right. I'm now as competitive as you are. Let's dance. I just think it's really hard to differentiate a recruitment company. That's just reality. Like when we first came to market, we're like, oh, we're really good people. And it's like, we are really good people, but that's not a USP. Oh, it is for some of our clients. But how do you convey that? 
how do you convey that in a message where people aren't like so you're like every other recruitment agency that thinks they're different yeah and, and it is hard and look when you look at um so look, you're you're, a, you're a, a partner of the network and you're you know a supplier to the industry and there are some amazing products and amazing yeah. services and some absolutely brilliant stuff out of all the hundreds of you know suppliers there are um that genuinely really really helps yeah recruiters do their stuff absolutely what we, what we pointed out at the beginning of this was it's actually quite subjective so despite being in that tech space you don't really have much tech around you right um and and nor do i but i'm i don't really need it in the same way i'm not a recruiter right yep. so we half the stuff but it is very subjective um yep. what what you might need and the not even necessarily larger organisations need more stuff. They might not. It might just need more of the same. They've just got the cash. They've got the cash to do it. That's the yeah. differential. They've got the cash to do it and they've got the cash to pin it together because they've got a whole tech team internally to pin it together when it doesn't talk to each other and it breaks. That's that's the big difference. But you're right. There are amazing tech companies out there. Don't get me wrong. There are loads of them. Loads of companies that would be like, that's amazing. Like If I needed X, I would go here. Right? They're, they are out there. But again, it's knowing what you need, knowing what your gap is in your business. And also really, really importantly, and this drives me nuts. You know, you said earlier, people are so scarce on time. Like, that's just a fact. We always wish we had more time. And I definitely can vouch for that right now, trying to pack a house, run two businesses and look after a tiny person and look after Mitch. Because let's be honest, he's a man, needs love. Um, he needs some degree of attention, right? But it's then like people go, oh, I'm really, really desperate. And they implement technology that puts them at breach of their contract with other companies. It drives me absolutely insane. It's like short-term gain for a long-term screw over, right? We've seen it at the minute, right? Where people have used automation for connections and messages and all this kind of great jazz on LinkedIn because it's taking so long to get those conversions. Bye, LinkedIn's kicked you off. But they know it. They know it when they sign up to the tech that, well, do they? There's a lot of tech I've seen recommended. And I'm like, do you know you're at breach of your contract? And people are like, no. But literally, it is in the SaaS agreements with every tech company that says, you use this at your own risk. So the salesperson doesn't have to tell you anything. But because you're so desperate to cut a corner to get a quick win, you risk your entire business and your entire team being turned off from a platform. That's not good business. That's not good technology either. I think companies like that should be shut down personally. I don't think they're right. I think it's immoral technology because it doesn't look after the end customer. And that's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. There's a deep sense of uh, disingenuity. I love that. Is that even a word? Disingenuous? I can't even repeat it again. I think I might need a couple of shots before this. <laughs> I meant to say disingenuous, but I realised I couldn't say that in the context of the way I was about to say that sentence. So I kind of restructured. <laughs> Do you know what? It's officially in the English dictionary, like every other weird word in the world. Throw it in. Simon says. <laughs> I don't know how to spell that. I'll think about it afterwards. Um, <laughs> you can send it to me in a voice it. note. <laughs> But you know what I mean, though, right? Okay, yeah, so I do. Give you a little bit of spurious information, or more importantly, I'm not giving any information whatsoever. And, and, and I get, I've heard cases of people being booted off LinkedIn in the last couple of weeks um, and have had to start all over again. And uh, and, it, and it's it, it's crazy. And, and they were, I don't need to name the product, but they were because they're trying to cut, cut corners. Yeah. But equally, can we help? It's no one's fault, is it? Because we're in a time for. Yeah, but, but you've got to you've got to understand like if if you've got a fundamental gap like if you if there is a big gap where you are so time poor that you're looking to cut a corner whether the tech company tells you or not that you put you at risk that's that's their thing to live and die by right they don't they don't ever tell you because they don't want you to know right like we even had it and this is complete truth when we start building tooled up raccoons right we built an amazing extra piece of kit like it was absolutely mind-blowing amazing but when we read through the linkedin contract like we literally went through the entire thing it was like if you have this you're at breach and your user basically you'll be kicked off the platform so mitch and i literally took the money we'd invested in that tech and put it in a bin that is what tech companies should be doing. If I'm going to put you at risk, that's not good. And you know you're saying you're time poor. If you implement a piece of technology on a critical platform and you get kicked off, guess how much more time poor you're about to become? 
right? There is the long-term consequence to a short-term action. But again, if you've got a fundamental issue with capacity, if you're not finding candidates quick enough, what are you doing wrong? Like genuinely just put, sit down, map out your entire process of recruitment. And it's not, there's not that many moving pieces, but where are the time blocks? Where are people losing time? Where are they wasting time? Have you got too much tech in play? Have you got too much tech and they're wasting time trying to run between all these systems to make it all connect? Have you got people in your team that need a little bit more training on sourcing techniques like Boolean, right? Doesn't take an hour to learn Boolean, but you can learn it, you can start using it. Is there other better ways that are scalable and actually address the fundamental issue you're having? Or is there something more wrong with the business model you've got? Like, do you have 20 desks all serving 20 different things and actually none of those processes are scalable? None of those candidates are reusable to multiple companies. Like, you've got to ask yourself those questions before you kind of flippantly go, oh, I'm just gonna download this next tool. Right, because the, the, the long-term consequences just, as far as I'm concerned, are not worth it by any stretch of the imagination. No, I, I agree. Well, look, let's talk Boolean for a minute. Yay, and raccoons. Only if we can talk about raccoon as well. Well, I don't think we can talk about Boolean without talking about Yay, raccoon. I'm such so, a kid, I'm so excited. So, I don't know, here's the thing, right, so, when I recruited, right, um, I, and I do mean this, right? I was the guy who basically, our company, which had 100 people in it, had yep. an IT support person, fundamentally for me, because- Were you that bad? I was fucking awful. You I broke was, everything you touched, didn't you? I really broke, I didn't understand where any of the wires went, couldn't really get it, played around it. Basically, this my brain just kind of went, like it does now if someone gives you a mass equation. <laughs> love it, love but, it. Someone else can do that. And I would literally go, oh, you can do that. Um, and I'd spend most of my time out of the office. Um, and I, 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 was a, I was a bit of a schmoozer, let's say. Um, what? And, what? That's not you. I'd say, I'd say HR, but part of it was, like, if I go back to the office, then I've got to deal with that fucking tech issue, right? And let's avoid it, avoid it. Avoid it. Now, but I do know that even then, Boolean was around. So mm -hmm. how long has Boolean have been around? And why is it now so cool? Because you've made it cool. I made it bloody cool. I get the, I get you, you can have a raccoon with your Boolean. I mean, uh, I think everyone's been missing a raccoon in their hiring squad. I'm just saying it, right? I'm just saying, I mean, to be fair, like Boolean has been around since the dawn of time when it comes to, I mean, it wasn't obviously designed for recruiters. I'm sorry to say that, which I think is actually part of the reason why it panics people. Because if you write in Boolean on Google, of which I did before I started the company, I was like, ugh. I did maths at A-level, so I wasn't that turned off. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I'm such a loser. I need to get out more. Thanks, COVID ruined a year and a half of me getting out. But let's not even go there on that one. But it does. It looks really overwhelming. It looks overly complicated. Like, you just look at it and go, like, why would I do that when I can just filter, right? Ugh, ugh, filtering, right? That's not like Filtering drives me skits, right? Especially, like, going back to this tech stack kind of con concept, companies have job boards that you kind of go oh here's three job boards you have to log into and a linkedin and a social media blah 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 blah. now apply filters for all of those how much time have you just wasted because you're having to filter by each of their uniqueness let's go through oh we've done it again and they have to save it and you have to remember what job you last hunted that looked like a similar filter and hunt it down like such a waste of time in accumulation where actually if you learn the fundamentals of boolean and it's not difficult right i say to everyone you use it every day like when you go to the pub, right? You look at the menu, you're like, do I want to eat and drink? First question, right? That was, a, that was a Boolean question. You're like, do I want to do this or this? Oh, actually, I just want to drink. I know you really well, Simon. I just want to drink. Okay, what do I want to drink? Do I want beer, wine, spirits, right? Oh, I don't really like spirits. Okay, so the only thing I want to look at is beer and wine, right? And you go through this logical process to come out with an outcome of this is the action I'm going to take. The only difference between what's happening there and a Boolean string is one you've written down and one you've just had in your head. So everyone's using it, but it's that fear to start putting it down in writing and go, oh, if I just put some brackets around that and some speech marks and an and or an or or not, literally three words. I mean, obviously some of the more complex stuff gets a little bit more funky, right? But if you created a Boolean string for a job, if you work the same similar job for every single company, why would you not create like a one core string you can move that string anywhere across your search places, apart from some CRMs that have just taken it off, which is 
very sneaky. Um, but you can just use one string, put it everywhere, and those candidates come up. And then you can tweak it and edit it to find more candidates. And then again, update the Boolean string, chuck it through all those platforms. Why wouldn't you do this? Like, if you think about how many recruitment companies there are out there trying to hunt a candidate, right? Or even hunt a new company to get positions off, right? We're talking about business leads earlier. There's more of them than there are open positions available to work, basically, right? The numbers are not in our favors of the recruitment business. So they actually become speed to find, right? Speed to find. The quicker you can find them, the more successful you are. And we've got age, like we've got big companies we work in with at Oscar Harrington, so the recruitment side of our business. But because we use our Boolean technology within Tooled Up Raccoons, we've got the internal HR team being like, do you know you're up against companies that are like 100 recruiters and you're winning every day? She was like, I don't understand. I don't understand how you're winning. And we were like, because we use Boolean. It's not, it's about finding the, the unicorn in the stack quicker than anyone else can find them. How else do you do that? Boolean, unique searches designed around those specific jobs and those specific time companies, you win every day. It's just the time to learn it and get comfortable. It's a cultural thing. It's a mindset shift. Like, I do it this way, but like you did, right? You're like, I do the socializing thing. Like if you were still in recruitment when COVID hit, you probably would have had a minor heart attack, right? You would have completely freaked out and been like, you've taken away my socializing. Like, how do I go and do this now? because you'd have then become reliant on tech, but you can have both. And Boolean would have been your answer to finding those candidates quicker than anyone else can, if you can get familiar with it. So I know, I know we've, uh, you've, you've shown us demos and stuff, but is it as simple as putting Boolean into Google? See, you can, I'd probably say use more of an x-ray search, right? This is where it becomes a bit more technical, right? So you can put it into Google, but the accuracy of the search probably won't be as great as if you did an x-ray search. And it is a bit more like the x-ray search is a bit more like look at LinkedIn for X, Y, Z. So you, you have to change how it's constructed slightly. Oh, yeah. So it is a little bit more complicated. But if we're talking kind of pure job boards, your CRMs, your social media hunts, Boolean can be used as long as they haven't turned it off, obviously. <laughs> It's a bit like LinkedIn. It only lets you use Boolean in certain fields. And so, if you've got um, a free LinkedIn, it won't let you do it. What, side, what kind of, let's say, what's the demographic? Let me use that word. What's the demographic of the recruitment agency that now, mm -hmm. these days, if, it's, if we can contemporize it, that are using Boolean, that are using tooled up raccoons? You know what? It's a real mix. It's like, it's so weird. I was having this conversation with someone the other day and they were like, oh, who's your core demographic? And I was like, anywhere from one man band. I've got a couple of one man bands on here that are like, do you know what? There's only one of me and I need to be quicker and better and faster. So I have capacity. Done. I've got them on. I've got 10, 15 man teams on. I'm in discussion with big in-house recruitment teams of big corporates to use it. It is scattered all over the place. There is no this is where they live and this is what they look like because there is such a spread of it. And it definitely, I would say it's definitely more on the technical job hunting roles. So like someone was like, oh, I'm looking for hairdressers. I was like, well, this probably is a little bit more overcomplicated than you need. But the more technical the stuff you're searching for, the more Boolean you're going to be looking at using. Because it just drills right into that. It just drills. Like even someone said to me, they're like, we're like, well, we've got a massive internal database. And I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, how do you go through that internal database? They were like, we've got four filters. I was like, Phew. I was like, right, does your does your system, does your database like allow you to write a set Boolean in it? And they were like, yeah. I was like, let's write a string now. Well, like, we'll do it together, build a string, let's chuck it into your database. And they were like, oh my gosh. So if you think about those companies where you've got loads of like people who are advertising, right? They have loads and loads of inbound leads, probably more so than ever at the minute, right? It's a bit chaotic. But what are people doing with that? You've got all these inbound leads. They're all coming into your system. They're sitting in your CRM or wherever the hell you've hidden them. How quickly can you go and hunt through there to go and find people who've already applied for jobs in the past that may fit the criteria for a new job you've got? And the answer is probably nine times out of 10, you don't go looking because the filters don't let you allow you to really do it properly. But again, Boolean in there, use the same Boolean and LinkedIn, enrich it, update it, 
Like it's not, you don't just write a Boolean string once. And I think this is what really winds me up sometimes. People are like, I wrote a Boolean string. Da -da. And I was like, okay, that's step one. I said, but as you've gone through those candidates and you found amazing candidates, have you added their skill set, their backgrounds? Have you updated your Boolean? And they're like, no, why would I? And I went, because you want to find more of that. You don't want to find more of the other stuff. You don't want that stuff. You want to actually cull it out, update your Boolean, hunt. Then actually take that string and dump it back into your CRM or your database. Again, it's just make your life quicker, make your life easier to find unicorns. Don't make it harder if you don't need to. I think it's that simple, personally. And it's a raccoon, so use well, it. Well, you know what? We've, um, we've covered how to save people time, technology, yep. partly future recruitment, if we can squirrel that in somewhere. We must have <laughs> must Creativity, have how to yep. stand up from the crowd, and point of difference. That's We've rocked it. Pretty good in basically an hour, I would say. I, I, do you know what? That's pretty impressive for us. That is what happens happens when you and I just chat. I think people will just log in every week now just to listen to you and me chat rubbish. Well, not rubbish. It's very valuable materials. Oh, and you created a new word. Don't forget that. Don't, that's critical. Like, that's the most important thing we've done. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, you have to write it down and spell it and then put it in the members only group and see what everyone says. They'll be like... And if it, if it comes up like, and I won't write in word, it comes up with the red underlined thing, I'm just going to go ignore all. No, uh, no, 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 add. Add to dictionary. Add to dictionary. And then like the next Oxford dictionary release will be like, that needs to be in here. There you go. See, genius, genius. We achieve a lot in an hour. We should set up a show, Gabby. I don't know what it'd be called. We can think about that. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Like if every, I don't know, whatever. We should do like a proper talk show. Like now everyone's allowed to be friends with each other again in a room. We should actually get like sofas and we sit on it and interview people and just kind of literally poke people and have controversial conversations. That sounds like so much fun. I think people would log in for that. I think they would. As long as they're controversial, you'd have to be. But, you know, I, think uh, I don't think you and I don't know how to be normal. I think we'd be mildly tame. On, the, on this particular time, but as, yeah. as, as, as we grow into it. We, as our audience becomes more accepting of how we actually don't have much of a filter. But we actually are, actually are. Mm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> now listen, let's leave it with, I, I'm intrigued to know, the last we knew about your house move, you basically were being boosted out. Oh you, my uh, gosh. You would be on the screen. Have you found somewhere yet? Uh, no. So this is, the, like, I mean, this again, just kind of depicts my life. And again, I think people might excuse my boxes and everything else around me now. So yeah, so we're due to exchange on hours by tomorrow. So we're selling this house. So we're due to exchange by tomorrow, complete by Friday next week. We're meant to have the removal guys coming on Thursday. So we'll be, this house will be ransacked by Thursday, but the exchange still hasn't happened. That's still not looking that's a bit off. The house we were buying fell through because, well, the seller and the estate agent weren't honest about a piece of land that they didn't actually own that ran across the entire strip of the front of the house. So you couldn't access your drive if someone parked in front of it. Like if the actual owner appeared, they'd have every right to park in front of our drive and be like, you owe me X amount of money. And a, Mitch's hairdresser was like, yeah, it's happened to a friend of his. He bought a piece of land and the guy selling it didn't sell the front bit and parked his van right over the driveway, didn't move it, and he has every right to do it. It was like, pay me a hundred grand, I'll move my van. It's known as ransom land. So it's a really serious situation. So we were like, okay, we can't do that. I want some ransom land. That sounds like the money for our group I've been looking for. I know, I mean, sod recruitment. I can make more I can make more money, just hire a couple of vans, just leave them randomly, sporadically across, across these driveways and be like, pay me a hundred grand. I'm not sure I'd be very angry though. I'm not like the angriest person in the world. I'd be like, Please can I have a hundred thousand. I'll move my car. They'll be like, no. I'll be like, oh, okay. I'll move it anyway. <laughs> okay, I'll move it. I'll move it. I'll go and have a cup of tea somewhere. Can I have a cup of tea? I should probably end up having a conversation with them and going for tea and cake. But anyway, that's not the point. Um, so yeah, so we pulled out of that one and we've been desperately trying to find a rental. But we we basically been recommended that we shouldn't put a deposit down on any rentals until the exchange has happened on this house, because otherwise we can end up paying rent and mortgage if it all falls through. So what we're uh, a week away from having no house, nowhere to live. Yeah. 
and we're boxing up the entire house because the removal company we're using doesn't have capacity to pack. So we are lit. Oh, and, and the two businesses are being developed. So we're doing really, really well. And the two and a half year old is literally loving Octonauts and everything TV. It's very, it's confessional bad parenting. But Mitch and I were like, hey, you're still alive. You're being fed and watered and loved. Enjoy. It's an Octonaut or anything right now sounds exactly like me. It's like when parents um, basically justify the PlayStation over COVID. Um, and it's when it's good for their social interaction. Needs must. Needs must. It's Although technically, I actually did have this debate with someone that I'm really anti like Phoebe having video games and stuff until she's older. I mean, she's only two and a half, so let's not go too far right now. But actually, the argument about it being really good for their social life is amazing because we were talking about the fact that when I was a youngster, okay, when the dial-up internet, when it went, uh, uh, and you tried to sneak onto MSN Messenger and your parents could hear you a mile away dialing in. But actually, kids now going on PlayStations and things are talking to each other. They're interacting with each other. When we actually took away their lifeline, where before I wouldn't be talking to anyone, I'd go to my room and read a book or do something stupid on my own. They're actually interacting. So I kind of mildly give it to them but I just I think there should be no guilt when life gets mega stressful and mega busy sometimes you just have to pull the card of his Disney knock yourself out and it is at the minute Mitch and I were like we just laid some bubble wrap down for her and she was like running all over it. I was like done right that's her occupied right we can wrap something else that's fragile right now like it's utter chaos so yes there's still seven days still technically nowhere to live yeah just keep smiling right i can't afford the botox well i yeah that's it frowning will lead to me needing botox let's not do it you don't need that just yet i don't want botox although i live in essex like most people have yeah well well, you're moving out though if you'd stayed there for much longer you've got it anyway do you know what was really funny as a little nursery i'll tell you this story really quickly there was a nursery we put phoebe into where we tried to get her into pre-lockdown she managed three sessions and then lockdown ruined nursery for us and she hasn't gone back because we're obviously moving there's no point but i remember turning up and there was all these very it sounds really bad but it's very stereotypical essex women dropping off their kids and they're in these massive four by fours big Botox lips, loads of filler, eyebrows on, eyelashes on, nails on, like prancing around. And there's me rocked out. You can tell I don't fit into Essex. I was like, joggers and a hoodie, probably got some of Phoebe's food down me. Hair's just like scraped back, no makeup on. I was like, here's my kid. I'll see you in a couple of hours kind of thing. And Mitch just cracked up. He was like, you do not fit into Essex at all. But it literally was this row of stereotypes. Yeah, that's why we're moving. Like, I don't think, actually, it was one of the questions. When I was in banking, we moved to Essex. And my manager was like, are you going to have your boobs done? And are you going to have blonde hair and white teeth? And I was like, I can't believe you've asked me the first question for starters. Rude. Um, But I kind of laughed it off. I was like, fine, whatever. And I was like, I will certainly not be doing any of the above. And he was like, will you use fake tan? I was like, no. Orange isn't my colour. <laughs> orange is not my color. Like, I, do you know what? I have tried it before, and I literally went orange. And I was like, Mitch just looked at me and was like, "Go be Casper again. Go be Casper." I'm absolutely fine with that. Moving to the Cotswolds. Yeah, I can have a barber jacket and the really expensive wellies, and like, I've got like the tiniest dog in the world, so I don't think that's going to fit in very well. But yeah, I'm going to become like a country <laughs> farmer. Leave the dog in Essex. Oh no! Can't leave Jasper behind. No, I mean, he might get eaten by all the real sized dogs. Like my sister's got Bernie's mountain dogs. Like she's proper Cotswold. She's like, I've got the big dog and the, she's got the Jeep Wrangler. That is one thing that's happening. I'm having the Jeep Wrangler. I may be homeless, but I will live in a tent on top of the Jeep Wrangler. First of all, properly. On that note, Gabby, given the time, it's been an pleasure as we knew it would be. We knew it would be fun. And we will arrange the sofa session where we can interrogate interrogate other grown-ups. We'll think of a good name for it, and we'll, we'll, we'll do it. But listen, this 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 session had no plan to it whatsoever. We just sort of spoke at random and ended up where we got. So for those that have watched and listened, I hope it, I hope it kind of you know ticks the boxes. No, not I don't know if it ticks the boxes. I hope it gave you some sort of insight into Gabby, Gabby's room life, but more importantly into uh, you know into our view on the uh, on the industry. Hope it was helpful in some way. Sure it was. Sure it was. Always is, always is.
Gary, you've been amazing. Talk about raccoons is amazing. Um, and look, seriously, thank you for being such a, a, a fantastic member of our network as well. Um, you really have, you, you brightened it up and it's, um, and it's fantastic having you Brought on. the noise, brought the noise. It's a pleasure. They're a great squad and anyone who joins is really lucky to be part of it. So onwards and up with the noise. Um, right. You're not coming to London, are you? No, I was going to come into London to do this session. And then you were like, actually, I don't know how to do it. I was like, oh, I'm not dragging my ass into London. Right. It I was literally to come and see you guys and do this. And I was like, and to be fair, I think Mitch might have shot me if I left the house. Like if I took the camera out and showed you the state of our house, like there are boxes. There is boxes on the lawn, like in the garden. There are boxes in every room. I think he might have shot me if I left. I'd be like, Here's Phoebe and the boxes. I think. And I'm going out for dinner tonight. I think he, I think he would have divorced me, <laughs> or put me in a box when I got home. I'd wake up in the morning being like, "Hang on, I'm in a cardboard box. What the hell happened?" <laughs> right. On um, on that note, Gabby, amazing. Whoop whoop. We need to chinwag about. Well, probably not on a recorded session about the thing I voice noted you about yesterday. Very cryptic. Very cryptic. Very cryptic. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Right. Chat to you later. Bye, dude. <laughs>